Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Lockdown, day 2973. Britain is now one long queue with 70 million people shuffling around two metres apart, although no one can remember what they're queuing for anymore. Europe has swapped with South America, and the Italian rebel stronghold in the northern Andes is threatening the Danish capital of Lima, whilst Bulgaria is swanning around on Copacabana Beach in its skimpy underpants. Bolivia is revelling in its new array of coastlines and islands, whilst Greece is convincing itself that being landlocked is OK once you get used to it. In America, Emperor Trump and his feared stormtroopers have brutally repressed dissenting voices, leaving a population of only 8,000 deliriously ecstatic lunatics and Fox News. Canada, now home to over half a billion people, has accelerated its global warming scheme to make Baffin Island perfectly habitable. New Zealand has invaded Norway and vice versa just to give themselves something to do. And in South London... Andy Zaltzman is still self-isolating in a wheelie bin, podcasting to himself 24-7-365, living off the sweet nutrition of his own lies. Oh, God, sorry, sorry. I'll keep having these awful flash-forwards. I think it's pre-traumatic stress. Uh, hello, where are we? Uh, yes, it's The Bugle, issue 4,149. I'm Andy Zaltzman, and it is the 17th of April, 2020, as has so seldom been the case in history. And I'm coming to you live... From the shed, joining me, not from sheds, uh, in London, Tiffany Stevenson and from San Francisco, NATO Green. Hello, both of you. Hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, NATO, how's uh, how's things on the, the, the West Coast? Great. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I don't know. That's what I'm telling myself. I haven't left my house in six weeks. Uh, I've been more than half a block away, so... Who knows what's happening outside of my neighbor? At this point, I'm, I am shaving my own head with a beard trimmer, uh, <laughs> and I, I, outside of my neighborhood, it could be a full-on Mad Max hellscape or like a nonstop worldwide Tea Party resurrected David Bowie concert, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> like, so I choose to believe the latter, and right. um, yeah. But I'm seething with rage. I'm I'm ready for revolution. I'm spending a lot of time in in meetings on Zoom. Uh, and and when this is over, I'm and I'm allowed to go outside. I'm going to come swarming out of the mountains like a like a guerrilla soldier. Uh, <laughs> my, my my loved ones have been calling me Comandante Zoom Guevara. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tiff, how have uh, how have you been here in uh, in London? I mean, you might as well be anywhere anywhere in the world, given that you uh, are not in my house. I assume. Uh, well, I'm in North London, very, very different to South London, as yep. you know, Andy. Uh, we're not running out of uh, yeast here because I may have mentioned this before, and it is a family podcast. But uh, <laughs> due to my be- being a top heavy person uh, during a hot summer, I get what is known as athlete's foot tit. <laughs> so <laughs> effectively, I have my own starter with me at all times. I can right. I can knock out a fantastic sourdough at a moment's notice. Right. Um, so I'm self-sustaining, is what I'm saying. Okay, and maybe we, we, we could make this, you know, a, a new tranche in in, in uh, bugle merchandise. Um, anyway, we, tip, could, we can talk about this bread. off our workout finances. <laughs> tip bread for the masses. Uh, we are recording on the 17th of April, and today is apparently International Haiku Day, a uh, day to appreciate the. Uh, 
Japanese form of micro poetry. And we have a few uh, bugle haikus for you today. People in a line for hallucinogenic leaves. It is a haiku. James Bond. James Bond in field greets MI6 gadget maker with the words haiku. Bad snooker player blaming his implement shouts, take a hike cue. Right, I think that's stuff. Pretty much exhausted that uh, that 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 uh, tranche of. Uh, should we call it comedy? Let's not. Uh, also today <laughs> is Bat Appreciation Day, a day to appreciate bats, the notoriously indecisive uh, creature. Well, not in my house. We in my house, we do not recognise that bats were sent to this earth by God to save us. Sorry, I'm mixing up with Easter. Bat appreciation day and Easter, I always forget. But still, the bat deserves no appreciation from our species, the unloved evolutionary bastard of the turd and the umbrella. <laughs> OK, locate this, you bogus dangling rodent. Be a mammal, be a bird, but don't be f***ing both. As always, uh, someone had to say, uh, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. Uh, this week we ask... What would the cultural and historical great figures of history have done in lockdown? And uh, we've done some extensive research for you here at The Bugle, and we've discovered that Rembrandt, the celebrity uh, portrait painter, would have just painted loads of pictures of himself interspersed with the odd hidden easel picture of his wife getting into a bath. Uh, Ernest Rutherford, a science whiz, he'd have just mooched around his house splitting things, uh, then sitting morosely on his sofa saying, ''Oh, it's not the same when it's so big.'' Uh, Michelangelo would have finally got round to decorating his own house, whilst Genghis Khan would have got very, very claustrophobic indeed and said, I just don't feel like me anymore before spending 72 hours straight on Tinder swiping right. <laughs> Einstein would have watched all the Star Wars movies and said the word bullshit at least 30 times per hour. And Giuseppe Verdi would have written a hardcore pornographic opera just to see if it could be done. Shakespeare, well, he would have finally tried to master the limerick and then hacked out some scripts for low-grade Hollywood comedy films based on cross-dressing and long-lost surprise siblings. And Catherine the Great would have just been watching YouTube videos on how to do dressage and realising <laughs> to herself... I've been on the wrong side of the horse all this time. <laughs> uh, also in the bin, part two of your Bugle homeschool history exam. Now, last week we began the homeschool history exam, and I assume that all you buglers with children have uh, put the, uh, the questions to your kids. Uh, and we pick up now with question five. Writer L.P. Hartley famously wrote, as writers so often do, and one of the things he famously wrote whilst famously writing was that the past is a different country. He, of course, meant that the food was weird, people spoke in funny-sounding languages, some things cost more, but some things cost less, and it was a good place to have an affair without getting caught. Uh, plus, you're always relieved to get back home after visiting. But if L.P. <laughs> Hartley was right, and the past is indeed a foreign country, given the increasing ten trend of populist insularity in global politics and the prevalence of old people amongst coronavirus victims, is it time to send everyone from history back to the past? Question six. History is notoriously full of absolute... Note down everyone you've ever heard of, alive and dead, make a mark next to the name if they are a total one point, or a bit of a half a point, and calculate whether or not, on average, there were more in history pro rata than there are today. <laughs> Question seven. 
It's a well-known fact that 98% of all historical TV documentaries are completely made up. But which of any of the following documentaries covers a genuine bit of history? William the Bonkerer, how the Battle of Hastings Victor was driven by a fervent desire to go down in history as the 11th century's most prolific shagmeister, uh, based on a recently discovered and very X-rated tapestry. When chickens conquered Rome, an army of giant feral chickens rampaged across the increasingly fractious European celebrity empire in the 250s AD, defeating the 8th Legion at what became known as the Battle of the Eggs. Is this documentary about a genuine piece of history? Jesus Christ, the garden centre years. New evidence has come to light that Jesus, <laughs> the professional messiah, might have spent three years honing his miracle-making skills working in a garden centre, bringing dead shrubs back to life, turning water into fertiliser and selling cheap fish sandwiches with hardly any filling at a seriously profit-boosting markup. <laughs> Charles Darwin, turtle slayer, fairly self-explanatory. And finally, Mog on the Moon how Neil Armstrong smuggled his pet cat Eisenhower into the Apollo 11 rocket and onto the surface of the moon. So you have to tell us which of those was based on a real event, if any. And finally, question eight, your last question in your Bugle homeschooling history exam. Which historical event will happen exactly 100 years from now? <laughs> How's it going being cooped up at home with your children, Andy? Well, it's been... Um, it's been fine so far. We've, we've had two weeks of school holiday in which the days have just mulched into a formless nothingness. And uh, on Monday we go, uh, we go back to school. And um, I think I'm going to try some uh, Victorian schooling tactics. You know, get uh, get a bit old school on it, bit of uh, bit of the old olive. I mean, maybe not the full cane, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think the whole point of education in Britain has always been to psychologically break children and make them uh, pliable uh, adults for the exploitation of the state. So I think, I think that's really the responsibility of us uh, homeschooling parents right now. What, what about you? Have, uh, how have you been getting on? Uh, we're, we're doing okay. I, I have uh, 11-year-old twins, and the, the way that we are teaching them, it, it, it possibly could not be more NATO green on brand. Uh, my my children are obviously fully bilingual in Spanish, and we've assigned them uh, academic essays as 11-year-olds to read about the history of U.S. intervention in Honduras and its contributions to the migrant crisis. And one of them did a uh, PowerPoint presentation for the entire family about the history of pandemics and so has been coping with the anxiety of, uh, of social isolation and, and lockdown uh, that we're living through by reminding us periodically that this does not compare to the plague of Justinian <laughs> of 50, fi, uh, 541 to 542 AD that killed upwards of 30 million people. Well, that's always good to be reminded of the plague of Justinian at times like this. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt... Top story now, and uh, again, uh, we are sticking with the uh, well, the only story really in the universe at the at the moment. And um, well, let's start in America, uh, NATO, because um, I guess people will still be arguing about what would have been the best way to deal with this crisis in uh, you know thousands of years' time if a human still exists and b history is still legal then, or, or vice versa. But I think it is fair to predict that <laughs> Donald Trump's strategy for the coronavirus crisis will not be held up as the model best he could have done in the circumstances gold standard any more than that guy's effort to break the world marathon record in an old diving suit was a few years ago um uh, how, how have you 
rated your your your, your much beloved president's uh, leadership so far on this crisis? Uh, well, so uh, you know, I mean, Donald Trump is trying is trying to uh, cope with the the threat of the coronavirus w- with his usual toolbox. Uh, you know, they say that that uh, that every general fights the last war, and in the case of Donald Trump, the last war is bribing a porn star to sign an NDA. So uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, so you know it's 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 a challenging it's a it, science creates a challenge for him like the 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 he doesn't believe in anything he finds inconvenient and science be damned he Trump famously thought that the sound of windmills caused cancer he doesn't believe in the existence of climate change asymptomatic transmission of coronavirus or the clitoris so like <laughs> some of the things that he's doing are like trying to defund the World Health Organization uh, are. Make they make perfect sense from his worldview. Uh, you know, he's resorting to his usual toolbox of political strategies to solve a problem that is not amenable to those responses. Like in the case of defunding the World Health Organization, he's trying to find a fall guy to throw under the bus to blame for his mistakes. And the U.S. contribution to the World Health Organization is about four hundred million dollars a year. And to put that in perspective, that's about half what Mike Bloomberg spent to win no states in the Democratic <laughs> primary. So it's a lot. Um, uh, and, you know, and with all the competing prior priorities facing the country, um, you, you know, you expect the you can't expect the U.S. government to maintain such a costly expenditure. And so to put that in perspective, uh, the, the amount of the U.S. contribution to the World Health Organization per annum is slightly more than the U.S. Secret Service has spent protecting Donald Trump to go golfing. So uh, <laughs> it's it's a high priority. Um, but uh, what's amazing is that, like, COVID does not give a shit um, about <laughs> Donald Trump's games. Like, science and politics have collided, and for once, politics will lose. Um Oh, you politicians want to try to focus group and poll test your messages? Cool, cool, cool. How's that going to go? As a swing voter, would you be more likely to vote against COVID-19 if it was called A, Chinese virus, B, (laughs) COVID-69, C, bat AIDS, D, never go outside again-itis, or E, none of the above, I love COVID, I want to die? Uh, So... Politicians can have their their talking points and logos and consultants and spin doctors and proxies, and they can double down and pivot and walk back and catchphrase and slogan and platform and swing voter and core constituency and donor base and stumping and fundraiser, photo op, baby kissing, pie eating. And it is all as useless in the face of a inexorable progression of infectious disease as sending me to a pants-off, dance-off competition with Channing Tatum, <laughs> which is good for a laugh, but mostly sad and hairy. Um, Firstly, I know that he's de- defunded uh, the WHO, but can we be sure that Trump doesn't think the money is going to the guy who wrote Pinball Wizard? <laughs> I don't think we can be sure of anything these days. I mean, to be in mitigation for Trump, we must remember that famously, as a child, he was bitten by a radioactive pile of shit. So (laughs) there's a certain level of, you know, pile of shittedness in his behaviour that we just have to expect. And obviously, he's not so much a a bridge over troubled water as a hippopotamus made of cesium leaping arse first into a crowded swimming pool. Um, The... um, (laughs) 
The White House issued a statement after his uh, his announcement that they're withdrawing funding for the World Health Organization, um, uh, saying um, basically accusing uh, the World Health Organization of mismanaging and covering up the crisis. And when Donald Trump is accusing you of mismanaging and covering things up. That's like the king of Saudi Arabia having a pop at you for atti- your attitude towards women. Or a crocodile <laughs> with blood dripping from its mouth, haranguing you about how you are spoiling the peace and quiet of people trying to have an innocent picnic on the riverbank before belching loudly, saying, better out than in, and then saying, I've got to go, my, de- my dessert's running away. It's uh, <laughs> truly hey, game, extraordinary. game recognises game, Andy. <laughs> As they say. I don't even know that... Um, that the America need the World Health Organization because, you know, Trump is busy declaring national days of prayer to deal with corona. You know, pray the spray away. Yep. I believe that's the catchphrase <laughs> you guys have been using. Um, but, but also, you know, you've still got skin in the game there because you've got Bill and Melinda Gates who are, they fund as much as the United Kingdom, I think. Something like 200 million from Bill and uh, Melinda Gates goes into the World Health Organization, um, which is the same as our contribution. But what does it mean? Does it mean that if the defunding happens, that the world, if the World Health Organization find a cure, then America don't get to <laughs> have it? I think it means that if the World Health Organization finds a cure, America gets to go and shoot the cure off of them. Right. <laughs> Yes, going with guns first, ask questions later. I've, as I've been studying the spread of the disease, I, I did get slightly aroused when I learned that the percentage necessary to achieve herd immunity was 69%. Yeah. Can he technically, I mean, I don't understand, can he technically overrule... Can the federal government do that, like state by state? Well, so uh, I mean, the, the, you know, one of the one of the bewildering things about Donald Trump is that there is has been a long and growing list of things that a politician can't do that he manages to do, <laughs> um, and that is what happens when you end up with a president who is a an idiot, b completely corrupt and C, prepared to illegally hijack the entire apparatus of the state. Uh, so it's a good time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of the what it's revealing to me to a large degree is like the sentimentality of liberals about politics, that there's a lot of like, can he do that? Well, I don't know. He f***ing just did that. So what are you going to do about it? So <laughs> I guess he can. Um, <laughs> we're like, it's not fair. Is he allowed? Does he need a hall pass? Yeah. We're looking for fairness in a system where it's totally f***ing unfair. But also, I mean, Tiff, you raise important questions. And generally, uh, I mean, I just because I know the Bugle has an international audience. Here's a, here's a general tip. That if you're looking at America and you're seeing something that seems confusing or doesn't make any sense at all, and you're like, why is that thing happening? The answer is always slavery. Um, <laughs> that's whatever it is. Like, why, why are there racial disparities in, the, in de- the death rate from COVID? Why are the, what's, how does the electoral college work? Why is there so much gun violence? 
Why are 40% of Americans obese? What is the Big Bang Theory? Why is Donald <laughs> Trump the president? It's all slavery is the only answer to all of that. So the the death rate from coronavirus is, is disproportionately uh, affecting black people. So like in Chicago, for instance, black people make up 30% of the population, but 70% of COVID-related deaths. And that's alarming, also caused by slavery. Uh, and Senator Elizabeth Warren and Representative Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts called for collection of racial data on COVID. And I normally think that both of them are right about everything. But on this, I could not disagree more uh, because Trump is already mad that COVID is hurting the economy. And people are like, no, let's tell Donald Central Park Five good people on both sides, famous white supremacist Trump, that COVID kills black people. He'll see that as an upside. Like, uh, oh, I get to keep helping my billionaire friends fleece the poor to fill their, uh, you know, clogged artery hearts uh, and also kill black people. Where, what is the problem with this? Like, this is the most MAGA that ever MAGA'd. Uh, so... If you want Republicans to take seriously the public health responses to COVID that are necessary, don't tell them that it hurts black people. Tell them that it spreads through Sean Hannity's gaze and only kills white men over 50 who own vacation <laughs> homes. And the only known cure is universal rent control. <laughs> it only affects the governors who've paid for their mistresses to have abortions. <laughs> Bill Gates uh said halting funding for the World Health Organization during a world health crisis is as dangerous as it sounds. And um, uh, also uh, yeah, the, the organization itself has tried as diplomatically as possible to tell Trump to go f*** himself. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, the World Health Organization is undoubtedly not without its flaws, being as it is an international organization involving A, countries, B, people, and C, diseases, which are wriggly little shits that often do not behave how you would ideally like them to behave. Undoubtedly, there will be a need to examine what the World Health Organization does and how it works after this crisis, because there's a need to examine what everything does and how everything works all the time, especially after a crisis. It's just generally we choose not to f***ing bother doing it because it's generally a bit expensive, quite annoying, doesn't make anyone look good, or because it was written in the Constitution 230 years ago, or because God said it, or one of, one of those get-outs. But this just seems to be about the worst possible thing that could be done in this current global circumstance with the virus now threatening the poorer nations of the world um, with potential catastrophe. Andy, when you said um, that the World Health Organization involves uh, people, nations and diseases, I had like a mental picture of like a UN cha debate chamber with a bunch of uh, uh, microphones and placards, but just the diseases there... <laughs> Uh, somehow instantiated debating each other and being like, I would like the learned colleague from AIDS over there to respond <laughs> to the clap. Uh. Well, they've had to, they've had, there's so much misinformation flying around. They've had to ha a, a open a Mythbusters page on the, on the World Health Organization uh, website because, and I get about five Facebook messages a day from like loose relatives 
uh, telling me that it's due to 5G or to have a really hot bath. So they've had to like kind of go on and say like drinking alcohol doesn't protect you against COVID-19, which I find personally offensive. Um, <laughs> and neither does having a hot bath. It doesn't prevent coronavirus. So I feel those three hours a day in the bath whilst I'm downing cocktails and watching Netflix have been a complete waste. Well, I mean, there have been a lot of claims of, of you know, what, what might be described as quack cures. And uh, here at The Bugle, we've teamed up with some of the uh, uh, least influential um, epidemiologists uh, in the world to uh, have a special offer, which um, uh, will either cure you of or provide you lifelong immunity to both COVID and your choice out of one of the following fictitious diseases. Disclaimer, this is all bullshit. Uh, so you get... Uh, you're off COVID, as well as Constance Fripple syndrome, rafanoiditis, fervil sprocculism, antigluteal cyclobid dysclopsia, uh, dospodostos or Beno's disease, as it's known in Spain, uh, glockenspiel by proximal, Gurch, Hoopla and cribbage. You'll be <laughs> immune to all of those for life. If, as well as COVID, all you have to do is not take a hot bath, not drink alcohol. These are the ways to, to make sure you are uh, immune. Hold a domestic claw hammer in your right hand whilst urinating. <laughs> eat, eat a raw carrot in 13 bites spread evenly every two hours over a 24-hour period, then down a gallon of carrot juice once every half a month for the next year and a bit. Uh, sleep with your foot dangling off the side of your bed in a bucket of squirrel milk uh, and crush the dried bark of a free-range mahogany tree, mix it with alcohol-free whiskey to form a paste and then marinate your toothbrush in it. Uh, those are all ways <laughs> to make sure that you stay virus-free. I, I should report one of the other quack cures that came across my personal Facebook feed may be of interest to fans of the Bugle Expanded Cinematic Universe, oh, yeah. uh, which is the recommendation that one thing that can stop you from getting COVID is half a glass of water. Uh, <laughs> because it will rinse it down, I guess, is the yep. theory, and then your stomach acids will kill it. That was that was the, the, what was told, told to me in Facebook. There's some confusion here over when you are and when you are not allowed out of your house uh, during lockdown and there's been some uh, uh, allegations that the police have been somewhat overzealous in their treatment of people who've been uh, been out and about uh, we can clear up a few uh, areas of doubt for you here uh, at the bugle if you are uh, leaving your house because you've discovered a potential cure for the virus after leaving some bread out overnight and it going mouldy and you realising that was the disease and you need to run to the hospital to physically share the news with some real researchers like you're in a film version of your own life, that is an acceptable reason to leave the house. <laughs> if you are an assassin with a contract to fulfil that cannot be carried out over the internet, I'm afraid that is not a good enough reason um, to uh, to leave the house. That uh, is a job that can be delayed until the resumption uh, of normal society. Uh, if you are just wanting to roam around checking on whether other people are leaving their houses unnecessarily, that is allowed. You are allowed <laughs> to do that. That is a loophole that a lot of people are exploiting. If you need to locate uh, your escaped pet serpent, uh, no, you cannot leave the house for that. You have to call your local government reptile location squad, many of them sadly underfunded uh if you feel the sudden urge to recreate the walk to work of a renowned historical figure that is allowed and if you need to drive your car at extreme speed for no reason that is also allowed apparently judging from the number of people who have been f***ing doing it in the roads near my house <laughs> <laughs> i, I I don't know whether they've been abusing uh, police have been sort of abusing their uh, their their sort of uh, 
power in America, NATO. But here in in Scotland, they were like sort of checking in people's shopping baskets to make sure that what they'd bought were uh, necessary purchases, like uh, deemed essential purchases, and told someone off for buying crisps and booze. I was like in a place where booze is so like encouraged. Also, booze during lockdown is necessary <laughs> like more necessary than anything else like i don't know how you delineate time unless it's by it's one o'clock i can start drinking wine now <laughs> there was an article that in here where i live in the bay area uh alcohol consumption is up 42 percent since the lockdown began they all believe they've all been reading the same stories as me that you know getting in the bath for three hours and drinking cocktails means you don't get it Um, let's look for some good news around the coronavirus. NATO, you are, as always, the Bugle's uh, sunny side of life correspondent. Um, have you, you found any any good news stories um, uh, emerging f- from this uh, global chaos? Uh, well, yes, I have, Andy. Uh, there's some great COVID news. Um, the coronavirus is, has led to an uncontained outbreak of clean air. Um, <laughs> Because of the lockdown, cars are off the roads and economic activity has ceased. And so air quality is the best it's been in decades. Um, uh, For example, in Los Angeles, on a good day before COVID, if you went on a hike and standing on a hillside looking at the view towards the ocean, was like gazing at a beautiful skyline through a veil of rice pudding. Uh, But but now it's all clear. Um, And so with the, you know, it's a a weird choice that we have where... uh, uh, on the one hand, we have plague and the economic and social devastation plague response has caused. And on the other hand, we have pollution, looming climate apocalypse, war for oil, and the social and health consequences of car culture. Uh, and so now we have cars off the road and we have better air quality. It's like being stuck between Scylla and Charybdis. But uh, <laughs> I have come to realize that we don't talk enough about how when Ulysses was caught perilously between the six-headed monster Scylla and the insatiable whirlpool Charybdis, the sky above was fucking gorgeous. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. Um, the other good news is that Burning Man is canceled. Um, right. Uh, I don't know how much the Bugle International audience knows about uh, Burning Man, but at the end of every summer, San Francisco empties out and about 75,000 people go to Burning Man, a pop-up city in the Black Rock Desert of Nevada, where uh, it's a combination free-spirited art party, uh, lots of sex and electronic music, and uh, there's no money. It's all barter-based and communal happening, stroke, Silicon Valley libertarian fantasy land. It's kind of weird in that way. Um, but because it's canceled, the burners are famous for their creativity and they have been uh, uh, emancipated from their otherwise uh, all-consuming summer activity of preparing for Burning Man and <laughs> freed up uh, like uh, uh, like a, some sort of mass deployment, like a polyamorous molly-dosing Dunkirk to <laughs> unleash their creative energies uh, so with like Etsy and craft projects to fill the void left by a functioning state. Uh, so the Burning Man people are like actively building ventilators, protective masks and hazmat suits for healthcare workers instead of unicycles, tuxedos made of dildos and sunscreen water slides. Um, so that's a bit of COVID good news. Right. Uh, I would just like to point out sexist. Where's Burning Woman Festival? Or was that in Salem a few hundred years ago? 
Yeah. yeah, the Burning Woman Festival, I think, was the most of the 17th and 18th century. <laughs> Uh, British virus news uh, now, and, um, well, the uh, all, all great historical events have a kind of uh, musical background, and I think uh, the British government's virus anthem that will always bring back that surge of nostalgia uh, for these uh, extraordinary times will be the Mamas and the Papas classic hit, Trip, Stumble and Fall, which is essentially <laughs> seems to be played before all briefings, online cabinet <laughs> meetings... And whenever Health Secretary Matt Hancock opens his mouth, um, and uh, and Tiff, uh, you have been particularly taken by um, Home Secretary Priti Patel's um, battles with mathematics. Oh, uh, do you mean Dolores Umbridge? <laughs> Professor yes. Dolores Umbridge and Wormtail, which is how I describe her and Boris when they're together. Uh, well, yeah, Pretty can't read numbers correctly. Um, and they're kind of talking about testing as well and how many tests. And I just think if COVID-19 tests were anything like means tests, then this government would be f***ing all over it because they love a means test. Um, and every day, every day at five o'clock, what we're watching is incompetence. It's incredible that no one can answer the questions. Uh, Dominic Raab has like all the authority of a supply teacher in a rough comprehensive, the sort whose car's definitely keyed when he leaves at the end of the day. Um, and no one can give any answers on why they're not providing PPE. I mean, Matt Hancock came out the other day and said, we've launched a new green badge for carers. Did you see this <laughs> he came out and went what we've done is we want to show that we acknowledge carers roles you know that not necessarily just doctors and nurses but key workers and carers in the homes and so what we've done is we've got a badge and it's like given ppe and money not fucking badges like <laughs> like what the fuck is that gonna do the only public awareness badge i want is one that says tory on board that gives you license <laughs> to twat one in the street irrespective of social distancing rules i i don't know i i it's a tie for me between trump and the conservative government over to who's handling this worse they might as well just put a placard up in place of the daily briefings going dear british public stay in we f***ed it we don't have any answers <laughs> but we'll all continue to behave as if the rules don't apply to us yours unfaithfully government Pretty Patel, uh, in a briefing, uh, I think it was last week now, was asked twice if she would apologise about the lack of um, protective equipment given to frontline workers and replied, I'm sorry if people feel there have been failings. <laughs> um, so apologising, <laughs> not that there were failings uh, or for those failings themselves, but apologising for people feeling, for, for the emotion people feel about <laughs> the concept that there might have been failings but i mean in terms of abdicating responsibility that is a triple twisting pipe back somersault of a tariff maneuver <laughs> it's, it's quite possible the, the de facto prime minister this week has been a 99 year old uh, military veteran uh, captain tom moore who uh, undertook to do a, a, a sponsored walk now he's uh, approaching his 100th birthday and he uh, placed to walk 25 times around his garden and uh, aiming to raise a hundred thousand pounds at uh, the latest count he's now over 18 million pounds raised for the uh, uh, for the nhs um, because who needs taxes and um it's uh, it's captured the imagine it's a genuine kind of good news story in these 
these dark, uh, uh, dark times. And it also shows how important context is, because he, he's a 99-year-old war veteran, uh, and he's walked two and a half kilometres, and, you know, he's a, become a national hero. Now, if I did the same... Uh, you know, I'd be lucky if I even raised 10 million quid, let alone 18 million quid. So uh, it's all about... Uh, I'm starting to think these 99-year-old war veterans are a bit overpaid, to be honest. Uh, Tiff, you're the um, the Bugles um, uh, fighting correspondent, and uh, the, the UFC are, are also stepping into the sportless breach at the moment. Uh, they are, because here's the thing. What happens when this this war is a war that, you know, testosterone fueled men can't actually fight? It's, it is a war for science. It is Shittest a war. war ever. <laughs> what do you do when you have this excess of testosterone? Um, sorry, when you've bought an excess of testosterone, <laughs> as is uh, most of the uh, UFC guys. <laughs> I first heard about it on, a, um, if I'm allowed to mention a rival podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, and they were talking about Fight Island, but uh, I don't really understand it, so I thought I'd need uh, a, a male take on it. So, um, and so just, I just, have... to, just to clarify, Tiff, Fight, Fight Island is this, uh, an island that the UFC is setting up to host. It's, it's not just a, a shorthand for uh, Britain. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yes, and all of us that, unlike the Americans trying to shoot the virus, we think we can knock it the. F- out uh yes fight island is being set up by the ufc uh so that they can continue fights uh, fighting during a time of corona um and uh i'm not really the person to describe it so i have a scottish boyfriend explains a hang Dana White is the president of the UFC, a mixed martial arts cage fighting organisation that pits some of the toughest guys on the planet against each other in brutal combat. These guys are so tough they can fight anything. Men, horses, viruses. (laughs) Actually, they can't fight viruses, so they should just stay in the f***ing house like everybody else. But no, they're too tough for that. These guys are harder than Charles Bronson under a pile of Sudoku. (laughs) So so Dana White has brought an island so that they can all go and live on it and fight with each other. And they didn't have to follow any lockdown or distancing rules because Dana will be the president of the island as well. I'm not against it, to be honest. I imagine it'll be like an 80s movie. Presumably, rich guys with big cigars will bet on the fights and their Eastern European arm candy will do that thing where blood splashes on them during the fight and they wipe it off and lick their fingers. Then the loser will get hunted to death by the rich guys, but Jean-Claude Van Damme will come and kill them all and take all their money and he'll give it to the nurses, which is a good idea. So actually, good on you, Dana White. Uh, it's all much clearer for us all uh, now and it does <laughs> it does show the endless resourcefulness of our great species that no matter how bad things get we will use our god-given human ingenuity to find a way of getting people to bash the living shit out of each other for our entertainment <laughs> um, other sports have been attempting to do uh, similar to the to the ufc's fight island the wpbsa the uh, governing body of world billiards and snooker, uh, are attempting to build a snookano, a fully functioning snooker arena in the caldera of a dormant underwater volcano in the Pacific. Sadly, this has not worked after it proved impossible to keep the baize cloth dry on the tables, the snooker tables, whilst underwater, and the players complain that the balls moved differently to they do not underwater and that the sharks <laughs> were off-putting. 
<laughs> Non-virus news now, and um, NATO, you are um, a, a huge fan of people unnecessarily ejecting themselves from fighter jets, <laughs> and um, so you've uh, had a news story to keep you intrigued this week. Yeah, so I, I've been stuck at home and, and desperate for a laugh, and this when I read this news story, it gave me genuine mirth and joy <laughs> because... Laughing at someone else being terrified uh, transcends time, space, and culture. Um, <laughs> so the uh, government investigation was just released about an uh, incident that happened in France uh, a year or so ago. A 60-year-old French man was given a gift by coworkers of a ride in a fighter jet. The plane took off, and the force of the jet, combined with his overly loose seat straps, led him to float up from his seat Terrified and panicked, he reached out to grab onto something, anything stable, to steady himself and accidentally grabbed the ejection handle and shot himself out of the plane where his parachute deployed and he landed in a nearby field. <laughs> now, uh, to reiterate, the flight in the fighter jet was a gift by coworkers <laughs> that he did not want, but he accepted because he felt like he couldn't turn it down. Um, Look, we've all done shit we didn't want to do to get along at work, uh, but usually it's just Karen, uh, it's just karaoke at the office Christmas party, or bringing chips and dip to a goodbye party for that person that you never liked that much, but you make a fucking go of it. Uh, what did this guy have on the line at his job? This is a story about someone shooting out of an airplane. But it's also a story about the savage exploitation of senior citizens in the workforce who should be able to enjoy a pension and do old people shit like getting up at five in the morning and banging pots and pans and shuffling around in their bathrobe and doing crossword puzzles. That's what men in their 60s have earned from a life of bloody service. Let him reminisce about his glory days in the mid-70s doing coke and seeing Miles Davis live or whatever. Uh, in a workplace, if you get, if as a gift you get a, tri a trip in a fighter plane, the only acceptable responses are yes, I do want to shit my pants at 400 meters up, <laughs> or no, go f yourself. I'm 64. Just give me a bottle of scotch and call it a day. <laughs> Sounds a good story when you got home. How was your birthday, darling? Oh, I accidentally ejected myself from a fighter jet at 500 kilometers an hour. Oh, that's nice. Do you like some dinner? <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Bugle. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you are keeping uh, safe and uh, uh, as uh, perky mentally as uh, you can be in these uh, curious lockdown times. Uh, NATO, uh, Tiff, thanks very much for uh, joining me. Any uh, anything you'd like to plug in your uh, current online activities? Uh, sure. I, I have two albums out that are available to be streamed or downloaded wherever you download and stream al comedy albums, the NATO Green Party and the Whiteness album. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NATO Green, Mr. NATO Green on Instagram. Uh, you can watch uh, Old Rope on Monday nights on Instagram Live, uh, where you'll see, actually, I've got to get NATO on, but uh, where you'll see Andy and various other Bugle people uh, and uh, sort of four or five comics on a Monday. So that's fun. Check that out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tiff Stevenson uh, and on Instagram for the shows. It's Tiff Stevenson Comic. Thank you, Buglers. We will play you out now, as uh, is traditional, with some lies about our premium-level voluntary subscribers. Until next week, goodbye.
Paul Kane resents his unrelentingly monosyllabic forename-surname combination and is fiercely jealous of all Sri Lankans. I could say my name a hundred times in the time it takes some of them to say theirs once, weeps Paul, who has therefore put in train a legal process to give himself as middle names Elawele Kanakanamge, Warner Kulusuria, and Lianarachilage, following an awestruck perusal of the multifarious forenames of Sri Lankan test cricketers. Masood Mirohamadi wonders whether dolphins, by repute the second brainiest species after, without wishing to sound arrogant, us humans, see our species as an irritant blocking their way to the top of the rankings, or as an inspiration to raise their game. The evidence, concludes Masood, sadly suggests neither. They just dick around in the sea, honking at each other. Rob Arthur, quite apart from being a brief memo left for herself by British mythical enchantress Morgan Le Fay before nicking the scabbard from her brother's sword Excalibur, Rob Arthur, does not think much of the whole Arthurian legend shtick. I reckon those knights guys were tools and I don't care how round their table was, blasts Rob. They obsessed about that silly little grail and didn't focus on infrastructure, education or social services. They set mythical Britain back hundreds of years. Melinda Hasbrook likes to make up corporate slogans. Amongst her motivational mottos are You can't empty the bath if you've concreted over the plug hole It's time to put the puppies through the post box Don't fight an octopus with a scimitar made of salt And a fish finger in the hand is worth two full-grown haddocks in the sea Sam Garman has attempted to work out exactly what Melinda's slogans actually mean Sam thinks the fishmonger one might be something about small tangible achievements being preferable to large unrealised potential, and the one about putting puppies through the postbox is about realising when you cannot solve a problem yourself and dumping it on someone else instead. Here endeth this week's lies. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.